ready to rise above loud, angry headlines, longing for an alternative to the world's fighting and fear-mongering? Christianity Today magazine offers a trustworthy, faithful perspective on stories that matter to you, from the church next door to movements and ministries all around the world. Subscribe to CT for full access to in-depth reporting, insightful commentary, and redemptive storytelling, both online and in print. A subscription to CT also includes seasonal devotionals, special issues, and exclusive content. Visit orderct.com today or click the link in the show notes to get started and join a growing community of thoughtful evangelical Christians who value different news that makes a difference. That's orderct.com to subscribe today. Hello, this is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. It's presidential election season again, and I have two minds when I come to presidential election season this year. I'm someone who ordinarily, uh, I just throw myself into campaign season. I love political campaigns, always have, and I love watching who's up and who's down, seeing issues being uh, debated and have uh, ever since I was a, a little kid. This year, not so much. This year, I find myself really depressed and distressed by the level of discourse going on in in the presidential campaign. And I also typically, I typically have a storyline that I, I think is going to work its way out in a presidential campaign. This year, I have absolutely no idea. But what I'd like for us to talk about on this episode is what should we be looking for in a president of the United States? And the first thing I'd like to say is there's some things that we should not be looking for, some things that we should not be expecting from a president of the United States. And sometimes evangelical Christians start looking for the candidate who is playing evangelical identity politics, uh, the candidate who can use biblical or or Christian phrases or who can hold up a a Christian book or or who can can seem to channel what it means to be Christian. That's that's not the role of president of the United States. We don't need a Messiah in president, and we don't even need a pastor in president. These are two very different levels of qualification in the scriptures. Uh, Those who are called to be spiritual leaders within the church have much more rigorous qualifications in terms of personal life, in terms of doctrinal commitment, in terms of gifting, than do those who, uh, Romans 13, are, are called to bear the sword of the civil state. So looking for a spiritual mascot is not what we should be doing, because what, what that eventually lends itself to, in almost every case, are politicians who cynically use the gospel in order to gain political power. And it also ends up with, uh, with evangelicals who invest so much expectation and hope in a particular candidate or in a particular leader or in a particular president that they are bound to be disappointed because the, the very same political calculations that would cause that candidate to quote that Bible verse that resonates with you or to use that line from that hymn will also be used to uh, go against you. 
uh, later on, on on something else. And so it leads to disappointment. It leads to cynicism. So what should we be looking for in terms of a president of the United States? Well, I think several things. I mean, one of those is you need to be looking for somebody who gets the most important issues right. So is this somebody who is going to care for the vulnerable and maintain the dignity of human life? Centrally, I think in our time, that means, do you have somebody who's going to be willing to recognize the personhood of unborn children and recognize the scourge of abortion? Also, somebody who's not going to negotiate away human dignity when it suits his or her political purposes. Not going to abandon the unborn. They're not going to bash immigrants. They're not going to. Uh, they're not going to use racial dog whistles in order to to get ahead. But somebody who has a comprehensive view of humanity as made in the image of God, and somebody who is not going to toy with that for uh, political purposes. Somebody who really understands the centrality and the importance of families and of civil society, so that not someone who simply valorizes the individual and, oh, well, the the individual can just by working harder get by on his own, sort of a uh, hyper-libertarian view of, of human life, or someone who sees the state as being uh, all important and the, the, the state as being uh, the, the, the mediator between the individual and the rest of society. You want somebody who understands how important families are and doesn't see family as infinitely malleable, but sees family as not something that's constructed by the state, something that is, that is uh, instead designed by God and wants to empower that and to see that uh, go forward. That also means someone who has a commitment then to personal character and personal virtue. Again, not to say that this person is necessarily a born-again Christian. Regeneration does not make someone necessarily any better to fight Islamic State radicals uh, than someone who is unregenerate. But it does mean that you have someone who has character. And so someone who is able to understand what it means to control his or her impulses, what it means to deal honestly, uh, and someone who is going to be able to handle the reins of, of justice. So if you, if you see someone who is given to uh, lying, someone who is given to sexual anarchy, or predation, someone who is given over to a kind of uh, ruthless brutality of, of bullying speech or demonizing speech. That's not what we're looking for in a president of the United States. And then someone who's going to understand religious freedom. All the way back to the founding of this republic, evangelical Christians, specifically in my tradition, Baptists, have been making alliances with people they would have disagreed with on everything theologically, but who were committed to religious freedom and not just religious freedom for us, but religious freedom for everyone. So you want to find somebody who, if you find a candidate who is talking about religious freedom, but who won't apply that to unpopular religious minorities— That is not someone who is pro-religious liberty. 
That's someone who is playing for votes of a majority. So if they're willing to win the crowd, turns against Muslims or Sikhs or Jehovah's Witnesses or Christian scientists or whomever, they're willing to turn against them or not emphasize them, not talk about those challenges, then this isn't somebody who is committed to religious freedom. This is somebody who is appealing to votes from a constituency that has a lot of votes. But guess what? The minute that you don't have that sort of political power, then religious freedom is going to be restricted for you. So you want to find somebody who is going to be committed to that, committed to that comprehensively, and somebody who is willing to lose over it. Because if if you don't have somebody who's willing to stand up for those unpopular religious minorities, you and I are going to be unpopular on all sorts of issues as American culture changes. And if the overriding issue is the political calculus, rather than somebody who is willing to do what Jefferson and Madison did, stand up and teach the American public why religious freedom matters for everyone, then you're not going to end up with a just leader in our system. And then I think we need to be looking for somebody who can win. And and by that, I don't just mean somebody who can win a general election in the sense that we're simply looking and saying, okay, who's most likely to, to get elected? But you need to have somebody who's going to be able to persuade the muddled middle of American life of his or her positions, because that's going to not only enable you to actually have have uh, someone who can can carry out the things that you care about. I mean, the, the scripture tells us that that a living dog is better than a than a dead lion, but also. Because you want to have, if, if someone is going to be able to govern, that has to be someone who knows how to work with people who disagree and to make the case. And so if you have a, a polarizing figure who's simply interested in, uh, in his or her base, you might can win an election that way, depending on the particular alchemy of the moment. But you're not going to have someone who's going to be able to govern on hard things by coming in and sitting down and making the, the sorts of, of deals that are going to be necessary to put things into place. That's going to be important and necessary. And that's especially true this year when you're looking at a situation where four of the Supreme Court justices are going to be around 80 or above. And so the primary issue probably, which will be facing us over the next several years, will be the appointment of a federal judiciary that will be making decisions about religious freedom, about dignity of human life, and about things we can't even anticipate now. I never would have dreamed in 2008 that we would be dealing with a mandate from the Department of Health and Human Services forcing evangelical colleges and Catholic nuns to pay for abortion-causing drugs, but we do. And so there are questions that are going to come forward that we can't anticipate or know now. Now's the time to be looking and to say, who is the leader who can project the sort of vision of the country, who can pull people together in a way that actually achieves an approximation of justice? 
This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.